All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Daytime show show. It doesn't matter to the listeners because they could be listening to this whenever they want. Could be daytime, could be nighttime. There is sunlight streaming in as we do this. What they need to know is that it's bright outside. Yeah. And that's a rare occurrence for us. That's good for our mood, Yeah, I think. The last time we did that, I think, was March 2020. Whoa. I think it got dark as we did that podcast. I think it did. Two years passed, and now, like, essentially exactly two years later, they're going to lift all restrictions Mm -hmm. here in Nova Scotia, and we're just going to run buck wild. Just give going up. for it. We're just going to give up, basically. <laughs> you know, I think vaccination rates are are such that the younger population can probably... Well, the, the younger population's fine. Older population's still going to have to be careful. Yeah. For, yeah. I mean, I think everybody's still going <laughs> to have to... That's my opinion. ...to be careful. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I just mean, like, we were talking about it a little bit, how we're both, like... We were always going to be pumped when restrictions ended. But, right. like... A general sense of nervousness was it was hoped that we wouldn't be like oh but still there's gonna it's out there i think what i used to imagine was that there would be some kind of real official finality to the COVID era like we'd all run out into the streets like it's d-day totally two people would be making out and the photo would live forever Mm -hmm. but that was never going to happen because we have been so affected by by our fears and also like i continue to be that like for all i know the epidemiology is right in that it's probably time to accept that we have to live with COVID and maybe get back to some version of normalcy. A couple things on that, though. I think <laughs> there are certain things we have learned and certain habits we've developed that maybe we should hold on to. Like, yes, definitely. Like maybe not like like throw all our masks away. As I just touch my nose in front of, like in right. in a open air space. And then also, um, I I it, it might be true, but I think they've also lost a little credibility with with some of what they tell us and how they tell it to us because it was like less than two weeks ago that they're like listen we're gonna roll out this three-month plan and even that we're not too sure about and then doug ford is like well no more vaccine passports and the same goes here apparently right i know it it sucks when you're getting more the vibe that they're they're gonna plan it by year they are it's a knee jerk for sure Mm -hmm. they're playing it by year yeah there's no I mean, there are other countries to kind of look at as a model, but they're all kind of going through the same thing in waves. And and then you just go, hey, is that what we're doing? Are we just accepting that it's going to go in waves? And with fewer vaccines than us, because we're at like 92% vaccinated. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. We like we're kind of killing it. The other thing is, and I don't know, I wouldn't want to read too much into this, but you look at like the Super Bowl and the stadium is packed with like 80,000 people, most of them unmasked. And probably some people catch COVID there, but you don't hear anything about it being a super spreader event. And so it just seems to me like, while we have a lot of cases for Nova Scotia and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of cases in say Florida, I think probably when you factor in our behaviors and our commitment to hiding from COVID, it's a disproportionate ratio. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast last time, but I think Florida actually has like a pretty high concentration of, of um, vax vax because there's just an older population. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think the healthcare part of it is the the scarier part because I don't think we've truly navigated, um, you know, like we haven't really made uh, sweeping changes and how and how that's handled. So yeah. and it's hard to. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Be like, actually, we hired on five thousand nurses and the uh, 
the um, accommodations at the hospitals are right. far larger. Well, so was, we could actually handle it. That was something they touched on a couple of weeks ago, how they promised to bring up the wages of long-term healthcare professionals and right. all the people who vacated the profession because it wasn't worth making essentially minimum wage. Right. They're invited to come back and now they're guaranteed like $15 an hour or something. Right. Which, by the way, minimum wage is going to increase to in 2023. Right. And I don't know if they're going to go up then, but it just, it felt, I don't know. It doesn't feel like necessarily these professionals are any more respected or, or looked after than they had been. Mm, yeah. I don't know. It's a tale as old as time, isn't it's it? It's a You know Some, what? Sometimes Russia invades Ukraine. Sometimes it's Germany, <laughs> sometimes Poland. that happens. History repeats itself every hundred years. Ooh, I, yeah, I've been doing a deep dive on that today. And just like yeah. to get a, a feel for um, like how, obviously it's significant that that's not to be questioned, but you yeah. know, wars have happened, which we have had very little, you know, say or um we almost never have any say i would say i would level that up to even maybe concern about sure okay yeah um, well that's partly just a factor of being young like the i don't know the iraq war started when we were what like 11 and yeah or maybe a little older and and you're just not expected to have any kind of knowledge about that and then it just kind of persists through most of your life <laughs> and that's kind of how i'm thinking about this and i don't even know that it's going to get to that level um, but I was, wa I was actually watching a Noam Chomsky video that Alex sent me, which was like, he was kind of saying, you know, I remember the day that, uh, I was told that other people hear of the Cuban missile crisis as the Turkish Cuban missile crisis. Okay. Like it's, so it's like a different perspective on it. And Noam Chomsky's basically saying like, yeah, like, you know, Clinton has basically like marched right up to Russia and like he said you know, originally in 91, they said they weren't going to proceed any further east. They immediately proceeded further east mm -hmm. uh, to the extent that like Ukraine is like, like very westernized. And he's like, if I was Russia, I would be like feeling super threatened by this. That's kind of a sketchy move to, to okay. do in the first place, which so it's it kind of, you know, Chomsky. Uh, I, I don't subverted. I don't really but like what a flex that you say things like you know Chomsky <laughs> no no but I just like kind of <laughs> subverting media sure um, uh, expectations mm -hmm. and I actually just thought you you would I thought you would school me on Chomsky that's why I said that wow. not not out of a not out of a, a flex now, now I, I feel like I've been called pretentious and stupid <laughs> <laughs> no neither of those things okay uh, right in the middle <laughs> yeah sure well, that's, that's where most of us lie <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, just like the, that perspective was also interesting to hear, but certainly Putin's a crazy person. It's, uh, it's, and the, the, the sort of like weaving that he's been doing is scary. Um, right. Scary dictator stuff. Oh, I don't pretend to understand any of the geopolitical minutiae of, of how Putin operates, but mm. I, it does seem to me like he's been a ticking time bomb for a very long time. Like right. this like obvious maniac with a ludicrous amount of power and land right um who everybody knew was essentially a dictator like certainly once there was a, a president that he didn't feel threatened by which evidently is the case and has been maybe for two presidents now right um he was going to do something nasty yeah and and to the to the extent that he was like kind of buddy buddy with with trump yeah trump was defending him today <laughs> yeah he was saying like biden's an idiot yeah but, and uh yeah so yeah it's all rough stuff it's really rough. It's rough stuff. Yeah. 
I uh, deleted all of my social apps this week, and I think yeah. I'm going to hold on to that for as long as possible because you and I talked about uh, joining Team Flip when we talked about the Aziz special. Right, I was like, yeah. that's just such a compelling concept to me, but it's not realistic. What I can do is delete these apps from my phone. And the, yeah. only, the only time I'm ever going to see Facebook messages is if I'm on a desktop computer and uh, same with Twitter, Instagram. Um, and that has been cleansing and healthy, but I left Reddit on my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I chose to leave Reddit on my phone, but that has turned out to be the scariest one this week because every time you open Reddit, it's like, by the way, here's a big group of Ukrainians living their last moments. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really pretty dark and heavy. Yeah, it's weird. I was I was like on a part of me wanted to send a message to like uh, a Ukrainian company that I made a pitch to like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, then I was like, well, that would be really weird. Mm -hmm. Just like a Canadian being like, hey, best of luck. <laughs> best of luck. <laughs> like, hope you guys are doing OK. Right. Um. But uh, but I do think about it in that in those kind of terms, like you know, Ukraine's it could, like seems like it would be a like a cool country to visit in in Eastern Europe. I and guess now they're kind of getting invaded. That was where Chernobyl was, though, right? No, Ukraine? that was Russia. Are we sure about this? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Russia. I think it was right there on the tip. It could have been right there, right there on the tip <laughs> of Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. They're just kissing on the lips. Been bad blood for a long time. Mm, Chernobyl right. was a result. Putin yeah. caused it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, we might as well lump that in. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Revisionist history is the name of this podcast. <laughs> what are I'm you, Malcolm Gladwell. Speaking of good podcasts, uh, mm. uh, based on philosophy, you have to listen to Mike Schur on You Made It Weird, which came out yesterday. Oh, yeah. So I've heard him like... Uh, like three times now he's pumping this book it's a yeah a which seems like a philosophy cool book. book yes it's called how to be perfect um but you made it weird was especially interesting well it's exactly what you want from you made it weird yeah. like every yeah. 12 you made it weirds is the best podcast you've heard all year yeah and this is exactly that they talk for a full three hours and it gets nice. like because you know talking about the high-minded like uh theistic and philosophical stuff is what pete really relishes and yeah. obviously sure is quite equipped to do that and totally so it's really rich and they're both funny exactly so there's enough levity yeah. in there too yeah cool i'm pumped for that i basically ran out of content yesterday mm -hmm. and um i am i'm t i was listening to the radio again wow. <laughs> so this is why i'm now i've got another podcast to listen to yes yes you do great uh what are you watching this week so this week has been kind of slow, kind of a mix of like several space force, I guess would be like the, wow, the that, drive that force. is slow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's slow. I will say, I think it's maybe better, but Jen was like, yeah, but still like, you know, not, not great. And I'm like, no. yeah, no, it's, it's not, not um, staying with you either. You're not going to think back on that really great space force episode. No, but I think they're, <clears throat> I think they're starting to make the characters more, interesting and nuanced sure like it, a la like i'm like could this be the beginning of like a parks and rec kind of you know well, establishing okay. that that tone they're they're letting the characters breathe a little bit more which is nice which is what parks and rec required yeah a lot of uh, sitcoms don't arrive fully baked mm -hmm. yeah and you know like it's steve carell and and greg daniels weirdly i think it's like steve carell's character that needs the most kind of work like him as a hard ass just doesn't really 
work. He has to be sillier. That he, was true with Michael Scott, wasn't it? He was just playing Ricky Gervais for the first season, and yeah. it was fine, but it's yeah. weird to return to. You're like, you have it thin is. hair, and you are like openly racist. Yeah. And he gets quite a heart in later seasons. Right. And, and now there are scenes that I'm starting to see, besides like the relationship building, there's also um, like... Steve Carell was drunk in an episode and okay. Steve Carell was having an operation in an episode and like, like, you know, like kind of like screaming and, and oh. that kind of vibe where it's like, how can we make this character really like lose his mind? Either he's like screaming at someone. So they're or, playing to his specific comedic chops. I think so. Yeah. I think that's happening while they're like building all of these different character arcs and kind of making them combine. Speaking of Ben Schwartz, have you kept up with the reunion show? The after party? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the last episode I didn't like a whole lot. It was mm-hmm. the the Chloe Zhao episode. Okay. Um and the reason I didn't like it is cuz it was all animated. Mm. It was one of those things where it was just like it was fine. That is the point of the show though, is it's, to do oh, these yeah, yeah, like yeah. gimmicky genres totally. each week. And you're not going to be in on every single one. No. I think that's and the problem actually. That could be the problem. Yeah. yeah. I, but I find like, you know, when it's Sam Richardson and Ike Barinholtz and uh Ben Schwartz like I'm I'm in on all of those things. Mm-hmm. I can always appreciate it. But animation, I don't know, it just it's not necessarily the thing. So they did that in like Kill Bill too, right? Like where it's a ton of different genres and there's one like kind of anime sequence. And I'm always like, should I fast forward through the anime part? It's just a personal preference thing. Yeah, okay. Three times in my life I have recognized somebody as a relative of somebody else without knowing at all who they were. Okay. And the first time I can think of is Dave Franco, when I saw him in 21 Jump Street, oh, I had cool. never seen him before, you know, apart from his super bad cameo or whatever. He was right. not a person who had a lead role in something before 21 Jump Street. No. And I was like, this dude just does with his face what James Franco does with his face. What's his name? Oh, it's Dave Franco. Right. Sure. The second example was when I watched Everybody Wants Some, the uh, Richard mm-hmm. Linklater movie, which has Zoe Deutsch in it. And I was like, this is uh, Lorraine McFly again. And sure right. enough, and it's, it's Leah daughter. Thompson's daughter. And the third example is... John Barinholtz, who is in Superstore, and he talks and looks exactly like Ike. Oh, really? It was uncanny. He's actually more handsome than Ike, but considerably less famous. No, he's just kind of, he's part of the ensemble. He's not even in most episodes, but this John Barinholtz, it's like, as soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, oh, you're a Barinholtz. Like, no question. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say that that I did that with the the Myers brothers as well. Sure. Like that's so such a clear. But one was on Mad TV? Yes, Josh. Yeah. So it's so funny. Well, he was also Randy in the final season of that 70s show. Right. Who takes a lot of heat. And I saw a thread about that as recently as like 2 weeks ago when cuz Kurtwood Smith had tweeted a picture of the cover of the pilot script for that 90s show. Yeah. He's like doing a little social media. <laughs> this old man is like, "Hey, look what we got coming up, fans." Yeah. Uh, and it it kind of uh, devolved into this discourse about how Josh Myers ruined that 70s show. Right. Which is entirely unfair. Right. The character's a little irritating, but there's so much that took away from the spirit of that show that he cannot be blamed for Can't all of be. it. Yeah. It's no. not it's not like it was his acting or anything. It was just even the writing. It's like sure. he's he you're right. He doesn't have like Kutcher charisma. He doesn't have Topher leadership in terms of an ensemble. You know what, kid? You don't got Topher leadership. <laughs> Topher leadership. You can't, <laughs> can't hold down the fort like Topher could. And they kind of like made Tommy Chong 
like a main character. Right. Which is always a problem. He was, was a problem. He was good for like three minutes an episode. It was kind of a shtick. Yeah, like twice a season. Yeah. Like not a lot. And then right. the main love interests were Fez and Jackie. It's just like everything fell apart in that yeah. final season. You can't blame Josh Myers. No. no. Not Josh's fault. No. Not blonde Donna. Mm-hmm. The show stopped working. Right. And yet we really want that 90s show to be to be good. To be really good. Oh, I watched the last couple episodes of Euphoria. Okay. Okay, so Mod Apatow has like a huge uh like coming out party in this most recent episode. She basically like puts on a stage play that's like telling the story of uh Rue's addiction. Okay. And everyone in the school is actually watching. So she has like actors playing and it's kind of like and it's she com- just completely like sells out her friend's experience basically and and she there's a bunch of flashbacks and stuff too and it seems it's like a relatively supportive thing i think but but her sister is especially sydney sweeney yeah her sister and she's kind of like throwing her under the bus a bit as like uh is she sinister sweeney yes oh i didn't realize that sorry maybe not not sinister but maybe like the sort of Angelica from Rugrats kind of character. Sure. You know, like okay. overall, like kind of expected to be perfect, popular, like hot girl. Regina George. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, maybe like has some ulterior motives, but not the worst of intentions. Right. Just I did hear uh, there were a lot of people tweeting after this week's Euphoria about how it really grossly misrepresents uh, theater, like arts budgets in oh, high schools. They, oh my God, it's crazy. <laughs> but, like I was thinking that while watching yeah. it, like I'm just going to look past, I was able to suspend that disbelief because it was, it would have been like, like a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> stage play. Like a real Broadway show. So crazy. Yeah. Like rotating, like, 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 sets that were like consistently it was it was very cool but like yeah yeah, no chance that she would have been able to do it when i was in the high school musical we did cabaret and i don't know what our budget looked like but they either spent it really well or we got some wicked grant because they built uh a scaffolding upstage for the pit band so rather than like putting the band below they rose the band up they built a whole second like level in our auditorium whoa for like i don't know 26 almost adults to be up there with their tubas and drums right and nobody got crushed or killed or anything they must have felt awesome doing that too i think so yeah like cool we're playing the in hindsight in hindsight everything else looked terrible but they were able to elevate a bunch of band nerds but not your old man fruit vendor costume right i had gray hair and uh a suit a dusty suit yeah yeah oh we had costumes yeah that's good (laughs) that's enough I have been watching, uh, I watched like a season and a half of Search Party. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's 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 a blind spot for me, but like obviously good. It is incredibly digestible because they're like 21 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it chugs along. It's, the thing is, it's, it's a little insulting because it's quite the indictment of millennials. It really just paints us all with one brush right. as incredibly vapid and self-interested. Right. Uh, but the conceit like again it's sort of like a murder mystery kind of yeah um and that's really compelling and um uh alia shawkat yep. is that how you pronounce her name yeah i think so she's good and yes. the, the friends are funny and a couple of them are right really like unlikable people right john early is like that was kind of john early's main vehicle the the blonde um oh okay detective he, in after party he it, detective yeah She's just the, her friend, you mean? They're not detectives. No, in After Party. 
Oh, an after party. So he's like, he's like Tiffany Haddish's like right hand man. I don't remember. Is he the uh, tall one? No, not especially tall. I don't think. Okay. He's just the so blonde wait a second. dude. Is he in After Party and Search Party? Yeah. I'm not going to be able to handle that. I already can't. <laughs> I'm stopping Search Party now. Yeah. What's the matter sorry, with this guy? Sorry that I ruined that. I, I'm never going to be able to, to discern. And I'm watching one of the two shows. And right? he's going to be in the next season of Party Down. No, uh, my God. I'm joking about that. <laughs> he loves Party Mix. <laughs> works at Party City. Party specific. <laughs> Uh, I'm coming up, so you better get the party started. He yeah, features on that right. song, I think. He actually would be a, like a perfect fit for the cast of Party Down, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was also in that. Yeah, but it would be really funny that he's in this party trilogy. I watched the new Ali Wong special. I meant to ask you that. Did you? Did I tell you to watch it? No. Oh man, I meant to go send you a message. I've been meaning to do this for like two weeks. Where I go, sweets. How familiar are you with Ali Wong? I've seen all their specials seen, and, and I've seen Always Be My Maybe. I'm I'm a big Ali Wong fan. You're Stan. Okay, yeah. cool. I think I've seen the specials too. I've yeah. definitely seen Always Be My Maybe. And from the other specials, I was like kind of expecting a certain take, but then ended up getting like the bluest. It's incredibly blue. <laughs> like the blue, straight it, off the top. I think like, it always was though. Was it? So I, I just felt like she came out swinging blue. Like, oh, yeah. like this was going to be her blue special. Yes. And then I was like thinking back, I was like, was there kind of a theme running through every other one? This one is certainly blue. And I was there for it. I thought it was really funny. Her and so poor, did Jen. Her poor husband takes a beating in this special. So bad. And like the last five minutes, it's like, actually, my husband's great. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's very <laughs> he's very handsome. Yeah. But I, don't, I do want to divorce him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to cheat on him so badly. Yeah. 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 Uh, she is funny, though. Yeah, we watched that in a hotel room. We went to <laughs> oh, right. went on a romantic weekend getaway and we watched the Ali Wong special in our hotel room. <laughs> How was that? That was fine. It was good. And that was actually the the at least the viewing highlight because mm-hmm. after dinner we came back and I felt very sick. And Becky made me watch Twilight, which I'd never seen before. Oh no. <laughs> that sounds like an awful night. The the idea of the exercise was we'll watch it and roast it. Yeah. You can be mean about it. It'll be, it's so bad, it's funny. Right. Have you seen Twilight? I've seen probably an uncomfortable amount of it. So, you know how I don't like to not be a part of the cultural conversation? Yeah. I don't like to totally. have, have missed out on something. Mm-hmm. It actually never bothered me at all that I had a complete blind spot on Twilight. Right. It, I never lost any sweet sleep about not knowing what Twilight was especially at this point there's nothing propelling the conversation about twilight further well that's that's true too and that's really like that differs it from harry potter because when twilight came along we were like oh this is the next harry potter right and it doesn't live forever no um i just knew that it was like love triangle teenagers vampires werewolves i knew it was sappy and i know that the rub on it is that it's not good that the Mm. writing is bad and that the movies are bad yeah and so i knew that was coming um but it wasn't fun to no. wa- to watch something this bad. It was actually kind kind of it was kind of stressful to watch something this bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, and without any exaggeration, I will say it reset the basement for how bad something can be in my brain. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> in the mainstream. This is for sure way worse than I thought anything this successful could, could be. possibly yeah. be. Yes. It's it's actually like it's not even entertaining. No, it's not. Like, it's, that's the worst part of it. Yes. You can't even watch it and go like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch, but like, hey, I'm here for the story. I could feel it my just brain sucks. cells going away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to make me a worse artist yeah. being exposed to this. There's nothing fun about it. No. It's just like, 
it's all filmed in like stormy Vancouver. Yeah. And you're just watching these teens lust after each other. And and for nothing. Like she mm-hmm. you're right, it is lust, but they really expect you to believe that it's true love right. in the realest sense. And you're like, why in the world? Who's likable here? <laughs> yeah. Who knows anybody? Right. Like like they break up and she just spends the summer screaming into a pillow and instead brooding. of sleeping. Yeah, but like like basically screaming until her throat bleeds. Right. Uh, but like, did they ever like watch a movie together? Yeah. Do they have any inside fucking jokes? Didn't they only have dramatic like experiences with each other? Like there was never a, a hang. It's like the equivalent of like Bam and Tommy getting together. Right. Yeah. Like, they have a, like the, the climax of this movie is they have a baseball game in the fog and then a, a bad guy vampire decides he has to eat. Bella. <laughs> I did not know that. And he lives in a town where Foggy baseball. Like the the idea is that the the Cullens are are vampires and that their base instinct is to eat people, but that right. they have decided a long time ago that they're going to be better than that, that they're going to live kind of empty lives by just eating animals and right. that's never going to be good enough, but it's the right thing to do. Gotcha. And there are also these other vampires who do not live by that code. Mm-hmm. And so when they discover that Bella's hanging around, they must eat her. But the thing <laughs> is, they live in a town where there's lots of people. And so it's like they realize suddenly there's one human. That's when, super tasty. <laughs> the town is called Forks, Washington. Right. Why? I don't know. It's a real place. I <laughs> okay. looked it up. It, it, I, Forks, Washington. Bring your fork yeah, for Bella. Yeah. It's shockingly bad. And there's, there's a moment where it's uh, Kristen Stewart and Anna Kendrick talking about boys and i'm like these two people are oscar nominated people yeah and then the other dude is batman now yeah i don't know how any of these people rose above this insane collection of five films and if he wasn't nominated for an oscar he's probably just off twice and he probably will be yet yeah he's absolutely fully respected now. right yeah yeah he's as cool as you can be as a movie star yeah, he's 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 hit the trifecta of types of Nolan, movies you're supposed to hit. The the lighthouse, like he's just and now like, he's doing a, a Batman movie. He's he's absolutely legit, and so is she. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they ever got past it. I don't know how. It's so surprising that he's Batman still, especially with all the like media hype that's happening right now. Yeah, like I was watching the NBA All Star Game. And they were like, uh-oh, what's that? The bat signal? Batman Ooh. coming to theater. And I was like, oh, wow. This is a Robert Pattinson vehicle yes. that is being promoted this way. Right. I watched Dune. Oh, you hadn't seen it? Nope. What'd you think? I was very bored. Oh, interesting. I was very bored. Whoa. Yeah. Just no love. I mean, not really. It no, lo- there definitely wasn't. It, yeah, <laughs> you don't okay. have to hide it. It, um, it looked good. You know, obviously, visually, it's, like, really impressive, but yeah. it was too long for how much happened. And, like, mm. I knew going in that it's part one of two that they've already split this first book into two films. Yeah. And where it ends, <clears throat> where he catches up to Javier Bardem and Zendaya. Yeah. And then he kind of goes off and he has a crew now. Yeah. That feels like the middle of a book to me. That feels yeah. like what would happen when you get to the middle of the book. It's true. It, it really feels unfinished. Yeah. That That is a fair criticism. So I don't know that they couldn't have compacted that first two hours at least down to 140 mm-hmm. just what, so that we can like get the ball rolling a little faster. What did you think about Jason Momoa being like, hey, everyone speaks a certain way, but what's up, kid? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of true. I appreciated it because he was the only person who had any kind of like Han Solo energy. Yeah, exactly. He's clearly the Han Solo. He, ev- everyone else is a drag. Right. Everyone else is so serious. I thought Skarsgård was 
kind of scary. Definitely. Yeah, he was like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, Not to thought, use all these Star Wars metaphors. I but... thought he was a, like a good villain. Sure. I felt that to be kind of compelling. And I thought like Oscar Isaac was good in it too. A couple of major actor deaths in the first movie. Totally. Which is a disappointment because like I'd come back for Oscar Isaac. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you want to see the Spoil- spice. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then the other thing is like, aside from Skarsgård, the villain is like a big butthole in the sand. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so... Sure. That never scared you before? (laughs) I can't go to the beach because of the buttholes. (laughs) Um, And so it just didn't feel that climactic to me. It was like very, and I like, I need to see this because of the Oscars and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I just don't feel drawn to it. Might've made a difference me seeing it in the theater, but I, I, I stand by that. I I I would watch it again, like tonight and 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 be into it. It's hilarious to me that Zendaya sat in another foldable chair next to Chalamet while they did a whole friggin' press tour for this oh, movie. yeah. In which she's she, in it for she like barely seconds. sneezes in this movie. I think she's going to be really, really big in the next part of it. Sure. But it's, it is kind of funny how it's like, hey, this is going to be your intro. Like, yeah. this is going to be your walk-up music for the next movie, basically. You're just a bigger Denis fan than I am because I didn't even really connect with Arrival. Oh man, I love Arrival. I know you do, <clears throat> and that's that was me not having any knowledge of of Denny at all. No, no. Um, and I do want to watch that one. I think it's called Prisoners with yeah. Hugh Jackman yeah. and Jill uh, Hall. Jill Hall. I have no idea what that movie's about, but no, me neither. I think I might just watch it tonight. That is Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, and also Blade Runner, like the later Blade Runner. Yeah, the, and that's obviously fantastic. Sure, I've seen every other movie. I think. Yeah. Sicario. Oh, Sicario. God, I mean, Sicario he is, a, so he is good. a good filmmaker, no question. He I hasn't just, he hasn't missed. I no. mean, you consider Dune a miss, but by and large, most people don't. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of split, actually. I do think there's a contingent of people who found it boring like I did. Mm. Um, I think that I'm more in the minority about Arrival. I think that everyone thinks Arrival's mind-blowing, and I kind of thought the big reveal in it was like, oh, okay. Got so it. the timeline is that. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to RT it. Sure. To really see. Although, you know what? Space Force has 88%. <laughs> so, like, who knows what, what RT really stands did for. Did you anyway. watch the new Pam and Tommy? I did. I thought yeah, it was, I watched it last night. I thought it was sad. It was sad. This whole, it, like, there's two timelines. One is where Pam is becoming, she's, like, getting discovered as this great model, and she has, like, private meetings with half and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was kind of creepy. Yeah. But at least she's happy in that timeline. Yeah, and, and the, I didn't even really think it was that creepy. I think they kind of tried to make Hugh look good. Sure. Well, yeah, and it's also like qualified that the the photographs are are like they are, have a tastefulness to them. Right. Whether or not they do, I really couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, sure. Um, but it's implied in the later timeline that she's no stranger to being exposed, right, on film or on camera. Yeah, and that the whole deposition thing, we where were the guy like, like, how is forces would, her to watch the video? Would that actually happen? Like, I'm sure that you'd at some point be able to be like, okay, we get it, we we get what you're yeah, trying. Her to lawyer's do. not like, doing her any favors, <laughs> no. and it's established that the judge won't stand for this malarkey. And so, why don't you just not stand for it now? Right. He's like absolutely like harassing her. It yes. was it was real. Uh, bummer and two episodes in a row without Seth Rogen's character feels like odd pacing to me it's true yeah they're really kind of driving away maybe they'll they're, they're gonna circle back probably yeah I think that's all I have watched I finished watching also, that go ahead another thing that I wanted to bring up was the fact that they say like hey like so isn't it possible that you leaked this to then go to like penthouse because right. you can't you at that point just go, uh, actually, how about I just say right now, I'm not going to accept money from Penthouse or anyone for 
this like for the the film or for any publishings from this i don't right. want it like, or can't you see in the butt. that like my having to look at it here in this courtroom with you is so disgusting to me that right. i didn't leak it to the world yeah. and that this is not at all the same and, as like wearing lingerie in a centerfold and what's really getting buried is the fact that no one brought up at any point that a safe was actually stolen from their house right. with this movie in it. like why doesn't someone just stand up and scream that i think he's a crummy lawyer yeah, he sucks. Yeah. And she kind of knows that too, actually. At the end, she's like, I will fire you yeah. if you don't get your act this together. This is going to end. Yeah. yeah. It, I, another thing I found interesting is in the backstory, you know, we've talked a lot about how her transformation is really spectacular. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think I had mentioned to you, like, it does make you wonder, because of how invisible Lily James is, mm -hmm. what does Pam really look like? Right. And so they make the conscious choice when she's young and gets discovered in a Labatt t-shirt at a football game. Yeah, to make sweet her, shirt, by the way. Yeah, to make her look like Lily James. And for the first time, you're like, yeah, that's Lily James from Baby Driver right, and Downton Abbey. Right, uh, And then she gradually gets made up into Pamela Anderson. So I looked up that photo, that first mm -hmm. Labatt ad she ever did. Yeah. And have you ever seen that picture? No. She doesn't look like Pam. Oh, really? No. Huh. No. She looks like Tinkerbell. You're like, who is this person? Right. And so what you think of as Pamela Anderson isn't real either. <laughs> Whoa. That's yeah. a real that's a real mind fuck you just brought me on there. I know. Yeah. I could I could make a Denny Villeneuve movie. You're so mad at <laughs> <laughs> What you think is Pam is not Pam. And oh. Pam doesn't know what Pam no, is. That's Pam, right. Pam, 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 Pam. <laughs> Damn it, Pam. <laughs> get, get out of here, Pam. <laughs> Uh, I watched the rest of that J.D. Salinger documentary. I just say that to finalize it because I said I had watched half of it put last a, week. Put a pin in it. Truly what an asshole was, was J.D. <laughs> Salinger. <laughs> like not a very good guy, honestly. Gotcha. Loved young girls. Oh, um, no. Loved to just like shun his wife and like live in a shed and <laughs> oh. write, write a couple tiny books. Salinger, you're this, a real piece of shit. This man wrote for like 90 years and he has like a couple tiny books. Right. And they're good, yeah. but like a couple tiny books. God damn. Yeah. Authors. Mm -hmm. um, Arthur. Yeah, okay. Came to an end. Arthur did come to How an end. How did you feel about that? Did you stay tuned at all? So Arthur, well, no. Do you know that like I loved Arthur yes. when I was a kid? Arthur was my- yes, That's canon. My favorite. That's show show canon. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it is canonical that Sweets loved Arthur as a kid. And like I watched Arthur until I was too old for Arthur. Um. It was on for 25 years, and I, 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 I didn't know they were still making it until they announced that they were going to shut down the show. Um, but uh, I watched the final scene. I didn't watch the final episode. Uh -huh. And it's, it's kind of sweet. There's like a, they do a flash forward, yeah. and Arthur is now a graphic novelist, oh. and he writes Arthur's Eyes, which is the first Arthur story ever where he gets glasses. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So I like that. I, so instead, I wrote a treatment for uh, a series finale that I think would have been better. Would you like me to read it oh, to you? Oh, amazing. You you actually had Arthur's ending on the docket? I Well, when I heard that they were going to wrap it up and that they might do a flash forward, I thought, what would that entail? And so I have 700 words that I'll read for you right now. <laughs> amazing. Um, for what I would, would treat as an Arthur series finale. It's called, uh, are you going to get references? Did you ever watch Arthur? 
No, not really. But okay. but I might get the references, and I'm gonna do a word count in my head while you speak. You're just gonna count the words Make rather sure than rather than digesting what I worked hard to share with you. <laughs> okay, I'll I listen. tweeted this whole thing and I got no love, and so I'm gonna share it with the show oh, show audience no. right now. Okay. Episode is called "What a Wonderful Kind of Day." Two timelines: A, the familiar timeline, third grade class, unrelenting homework; B, the final days of high school before the world opens up to our old friends. In the A plot, the school year is ending. Arthur's class is tasked with writing a paper about what it means to finish something. We spend a little time with each favorite character. We see the assignment through their eyes. To Francine, to finish something means to triumph. She envisions a grand trophy. To Brain, it means to solve the problem, to change the world. To Buster, finishing something means feeling full. There are no wrong answers. Except Arthur, who's really stuck. It feels like such a big question. Is finishing all things like finishing a book, closing it, and picking out another one? Is it like finishing a game of checkers where you put the pieces back in the box? Periodically, we cut to plot B, routinely peeking in at how the main characters have grown into fine young adults. Some of them are excited to graduate. Muffy is going somewhere elite. Others are nervous. They're still themselves. One anxious pre-graduate is Brain, who has been named valedictorian. He's had unparalleled academic success, but he doesn't know how to deliver a public address. He confides in Arthur, and it becomes clear they're all concealing fear of the unknown. On the last day of Mr. Ratburn's class, the students present their papers. Barnes, Baxter, Crosswire, Frensky, Arthur Reed will be presenting nearly last, and the wait only delays revealing that he has not completed this assignment. Arthur is called upon and forced to admit in shame that he started his paper but couldn't figure out how to end it. He explains in front of everyone that he truly doesn't know what it means to finish something. And nexts are scary, uncertain. The class is shocked. He's surely a goner. Ratburn's going to flip. But no, he's oddly chill about it and acquiesces that Arthur's right. That by not finishing his paper, he's very cleverly completed the assignment after all. Phew. Cut back to plot B. It's graduation day. The teens are now in cap and gown, being herded together in the school hallways. Ahead of taking the stage, someone asks Brain, Alan, are you ready for your speech? He nods, more sure than before. In the audience, we see all the main characters' parents, a little older now, and some other friendly faces too. Mr. Ratburn, Mrs. McGrady, Art Garfunkel, probably. The graduating class parades onto the risers and Brain approaches the mic. He makes a kindly self-introduction, nervous but capable. Then, in a stunning pivot, defers to one of his oldest friends and invites Arthur to the podium to share some wisdom he had recently offered to ease Brain's worry. Arthur is nervous, too. He holds an old piece of paper. It, it says, Arthur Reed, third grade, at the top in jagged pencil markings. My mom never throws anything out, he says. And I found this recently, a paper I wrote in third grade on what it means to finish things. We see every admiring face of the precious cast as they listen closely. <clears throat> every day when you're walking down the street, he says, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. He proceeds to deliver those essential messages we've known all along. Listen to your heart, get together and make things better. Believe in yourself. That is the place to start. If you start there, who cares where you finish? It's emotional and succinct. The crowd cheers. Mr. Ratburn winks at Arthur, and Arthur smiles, having finally gotten his A. And then just as the series is ready to close, we hear, Hey! 
D.W. enters the auditorium. In the final stage of her evolution into an alien demon beast, Arthur screams, Hey, D.W.! She bursts in, riding Crazy Bus, and violently devours everyone, quaking the building to a collapse in the process. This is how D.W. finishes things. And that's the end. Bravo! Viewers like you said no thanks. (laughs) I like it. I was actually fully... It was so heartfelt until the last... 10 seconds. Yeah, trivialize the whole thing. I love it. Uh, thank you, buddy. Yes, that's how I feel about the Arthur finale. Right. It can be fucked with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never getting a job writing yeah. for a kids' TV show, evidently. Um, uh, John Williams is going to score the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series, which is notable only because he said he was not going to do any more Star Wars after episode okay. 9. He back. Um, he's back like in like... He's like 91, I think. He just had yeah. a birthday. It's cool, though, because... As essential as Obi-Wan is as a character, he doesn't have his own theme music. Mm. And so it's like, I guess we should write an Obi-Wan theme. Right. And I guess we'll put it in this show. Wouldn't it be funny if it just ended up being like real? Like, it's literally like like John Williams losing his mind a little it's bit. It's like he's Pop goes just the like, weasel. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Obi-Wan. John, this is just Jaws. You just did Jaws again. Obi-Wan. It's a really suspenseful show, this new Obi-Wan yeah. thing. <laughs> that it just like zooms in. There's going to be a Beyblade movie. There's really okay. not a lot of entertainment news right now, but Jerry Brokheimer. Okay. So like... I don't know what Beyblades at all. They're a toy. I, they were a toy and they were a, they were a toy, I guess, just a little bit after me. I can remember. I never had a Beyblade, but kids like played Beyblades and it was... They were like in a bowl kind of thing and you like spun them and they it was like a, It other. was a top. Like it was yeah. like spinning tops, but right. you you powered them by ripping a cord out of them, and that propelled this little motor inside of them so oh, that they would okay. like really, really turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is exciting! It was exciting, and I think that there was—I don't know if there was like a cartoon or if it was based on some kind of like maybe it was an anime thing. Okay, but the idea is that you would like battle your Beyblades, that like two mm. people would like pull a cord and two tops would square spin off and spin and spin. <laughs> for yeah for spinning top supremacy. Uh, and Jerry Bruckheimer of all things is going to make the Beyblades movie Uh, so he's such things as Pirates of the Caribbean yeah The Amazing Race CSI I think I feel like he really took one away from Michael Bay who is also in his name you're right and also uh, Michael Bay is not above doing something like this like Battleship yeah (laughs) oh did he do Battleship yeah Mm, Michael Beyblades that that is something the world needed Battleship and Transformers He's kind of got like the toy market covered. And the Ninja Turtles? I think, did he do them? Yeah, he did one of them. Sure. So now like Bruckheimer is straight up just like, get off my property. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are doing it. I'm so pumped for a that. The Turtles movie now, yeah. I, I hold the, <clears throat> the Turtles pretty close. Do you? I see. Yeah. I watched Arthur. Okay. No, the Turtles yeah. were like my jam into like Power Rangers and then like Fresh Prince. <laughs> okay. Was, a weird gap, but like, I gotcha. There was there was more in, in in that gap probably like Full House and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, would love to see someone artfully do do Ninja Turtles in a way that hasn't been done obviously in the last like five iterations. It's impossible done. to imagine to me how how you do it. How that's done and like like actually the right amount of corny. How's mm. that possible? The first one is actually not. Well, it's, I guess it's corny in the way that's like, dude, it's pizza. Right. <laughs> but no, corniness is okay, but it needs to have a self-awareness. Well, Raphael is all, like almost like 
having a mental breakdown in the first movie. Really? Yeah. Like he's like a he's got some serious like anger issues and like like I feel like almost like <laughs> like uh borderline personality disorder oh or something. But I think that's that has to be the focus. That has to be like the main point of view. Is Will Arnett in the first one? Is mm. he in any of them? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think Will Arnett is in a Ninja Turtles movie. Well, the first one's from like 89. I, I'm sorry. I do mean like the Michael Bay ones. I gotcha. mean like I because oh, they were kind of rebooted. I have no context for any of the reboots. I thought you kind of liked them. The I thought only, that's what you meant. The only person I know. No, 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 no. I, I like the, the, the original. <laughs> Let me be clear. The original cartoon and yeah. the first two movies. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked the third movie too. But I think it actually like if you try to watch it again, it doesn't make any sense. I saw somebody tweet recently that it's so funny that the Ninja Turtles wear masks as if that at all conceals who they are. <laughs> that they're not massive turtles. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too because they did like a, a how it's and um, how did this get made on the like second Ninja Turtle movies, the yeah. the secret of the use. And at one point, April O'Neil, who's a reporter, is like, and I just want to thank some local heroes, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like she's thanking like like philosophers. Yeah. And, like, Renaissance. Renaissance yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, the uh she's lost her mind, clearly. Yeah. It's not just like I want to thank uh Mike and Dave and Peter. It's like very particular names there's probably and it could be our generation a generation of kids who heard those names through ninja turtles first that you have to like realize much after the fact that you're 100 oh there's actually a yeah you there's actually a Raphael in the like in the real right in the annals of history yeah yeah 100 me it wasn't until i was in like junior high that i was like oh oh right they all did other things cowabunga (laughs) cowabunga indeed Okay, we, we should talk about the show. Okay. I'm going to get you to recap the first episode of Severance. Okay. Which is an Apple TV Plus show starring Adam Scott and... Adam uh, Scott's character is what? Um, who? Jeez, I don't know. I forget. It doesn't matter. I want to say like Neil? No. It's no, more normal than that. I guess it doesn't matter. Call him Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Okay. Um, and it's it's a Ben Stiller joint, which it's is a, kind of exciting. It's a BS joint. Okay. You can recap that pilot in three, two, one, go. So Adam Scott works in a place where uh, he essentially has separated um, his mind and his, uh, his mind in between like the working space and the home space. He doesn't remember either of them while he's at the other place. Uh, we get introduced to this by a new employee who's undergoing that. Uh, you learn a little of the backstory at a dinner where he has lost his wife years ago. And this is kind of a, probably an unhealthy escape for him. He thinks he's seeing someone in the woods and he's not sure exactly who that is. Meanwhile, his, uh, coworker Pete has also vanished. I'm over time. <laughs> Uh, PD. PD, sorry. Yes, that's kind of indicated early on. The the show so interestingly takes its sweet time getting mm-hmm. around to telling you what the hell is going on. Right. Which is actually cool. It's yeah. like, I think because you already kind of have an idea of what's about to happen in the show. Yeah. Um, that their confidence in slow rolling this information yeah. is sweet. So it, it does open on this, this lady, Helly, who is mm. unconscious on top of a boardroom table. Yeah. Like this big friggin' table alone in a conference room. And right. she's woken up by this disembodied voice of of Adam Scott, who is really quite sinister from that lens. Right. Like when you just hear him talking to her, he seems scary. Right. And then 
we kind of go back to him and we see him get that back he's crying in his car he's very like like disheveled he's kind of jowly did you notice he looks worse in the real world yes and he looks slimmer in the company yeah he looks brighter for sure like a little more chipper and so although isn't doesn't um patricia arquette say like you look awful she does, yeah. Uh, 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 I think yeah. he looks worse in the real world. I think so, and too. And as he's, like, walking into the office, he walks through an unreasonably long white hall. Yes. It's an insanely it's like a long... three-minute sequence. Absolutely. And it's, like, it never takes a, the camera off him, but he's mm-hmm. basically... He gets more and more content as he goes mm-hmm. in, but in, like, a kind of eerie robotic sense. Basically, that was, like, <clears throat> Mod Apatow's play in Euphoria this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really big budget. Yeah. And he shares cubicles with like two other people, John Turturro, mm-hmm. and that dude with a beard who's in everything. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he meets with Patricia Arquette, who's like the boss, and she's scary. Yep. She's very stern. She informs him that his best friend, Petey, is no longer with the company, mm-hmm. and so that's disappointing. But that kind of creates this context where you're like, oh, your work friends cannot be your real friends. Right. You, which is actually funny because that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Like you can't actually be friends with your work friends yeah. in real life. You and I are a great exception to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so that's disappointing. But the the upshot is that he gets a promotion. Yeah. So now he gets to be the guy who interviews new candidates. And then we flash back and we see him uh, talking to Heli through the microphone. Yeah. But he's not sinister. He's actually just bad at it. He's right. He's like learning it for the first time. She's he's like skipping through the, the notebook <clears throat> to find out where he's supposed to be, where the answer to her questions are. And he how. has five questions for her. Yeah. It's like, what's your mother's name? What where, state are we in? Where'd you go to school? Name any region in the United States. Mm-hmm. She says Delaware. <clears throat> yeah. What's your middle what's your name, name or something? Yeah. <clears throat> Only one of them she can answer and it's it's name any region. She says Delaware. Right. And so she gets a one out of five which is a perfect score because it's the only question that's not personal. Right. So she remembers everything about existence, just not her own existence. Yeah. And then she gets really hostile. She throws a, a book at him and yeah. like uh, eventually she kind of accepts that she came here voluntarily. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm recapping what you've already recapped. No, that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> the, the interesting thing is like you, some of her questions are like, so wait, when you leave, like it's almost like you just come right back, which is yeah. true. Yep. It's like hell for the people working, but like I guess you're just always off for the people not working. Well, later in the episode when he's at that dinner party, yeah, uh, hosted by his sister and brother in law, yeah. there's like a conversation that ensues. It gets kind of leaked that he is part of this controversial yeah. work experiment. Is called, it ethical? Called is Severance. It, yeah. And one of the people at the party is like they're trying to be like open to the idea of it knowing that he's there and they're trying to be polite about it and this one guy the phrasing he uses is so it's like you're trapped it's like that other version of you is trapped there all the time and that is apparently offensive to adam scott yeah but he is right because he's like no i like he he tries to make it like no i made the choice right like so don't worry about it it's a but no, there are some serious uh, ethical quandaries. It's almost like, would you want to do that to a piece of your conscience? Yes. Would you want to just like, really fuck up a piece of your of your mind? Well, and the whole show exists to discuss this idea that there should be a work-life balance. Right. Um, or that maybe we have too much of our own identities tied up in our work existence, and yeah. it's better to leave work at work and to leave home at home. Right. Um, but obviously, that's impossible Mm -hmm. and so if you were to do that 
literally you would get this weird dystopic existence which is ultimately like rife with uh corruption yeah and so um periodically in the outside world he's having these like conversations with his next door neighbor who seems to be this kind of like daffy old woman yeah. you never see her right uh and then he's just talking on the phone <clears throat> for the most part. talking on the phone with her and then when he's staying the night at his sister's house he looks out into the woods behind her house and he sees a man in a business suit mm-hmm. then he goes to this diner and the man sits down next to him and he's it's like so funny because he says there's a there was a businessman out in the woods last night. <laughs> uh, and the man sits down in the diner and he's like, "You don't remember me, but I'm right. Petey." Yeah, and so that's that's very hard for him to grapple with because that means that Petey has somehow uh, reversed the severance right uh, procedure. Yeah, and he's basically saying like, "They're coming after me." This mm-hmm. is darker work, than you think it is. is. a bad place. Yeah. Adam Scott just kind of shakes it off like, okay, that was weird. Goes home, has another conversation with his next door neighbor who you realize slightly before the reveal mm-hmm. is Patricia Arquette. Yeah. And she's keeping tabs mm-hmm. on him. Yeah. And so that's when you get a little spine tingle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's living right next door. Yeah. And, and she, and wonder, she like, is doing that, right? Like she's definitely awake in both both existences. She knows what I she's think doing. So. I yeah. think so. And I don't know why he is so important to be like monitored consistently. Right. Like is was he like the first person to undergo this process? Well, there aren't that many people working here in this division, are there? Not in that division, no, but there are like thousands of people in the company. Well, they're like Apple. They're like a big oh, gotcha. technology company. Yeah, That's yeah. something they're discussing at the dinner party. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. What so what in, does the company even do? They're called like lithium or something. Like what does lithium yeah, Lumen. even do? Lumen, right. Yeah. Um, and he he's just part of the unique controversial severance yeah, sector. He's, he's part of like the, the database archive or something. Yeah. Well, and, and the brother-in-law is like, actually, uh, Adam Scott's... Uh, work is sensitive enough that he requires the severance right. procedure which is very like sounds like you've been brainwashed into thinking this is okay right sensitive enough yeah but he also knew it was juicy like he wanted to bring it up as like a topic of conversation you're right yeah uh, did you see the secret life of walter mitty i did which is a ben stiller joint also mm-hmm. and has adam scott in it as like the villainous boss oh right yeah and so they've worked together before and uniquely their partnership seems to have a fascination with for one, the toxicity of corporate culture mm-hmm. and also just like having the importance of having an identity that's separate from your work life. Yeah. Adam Scott was kind of the perfect casting for it, wasn't he? He can do like monotony really well. Well, and he can do smarmy really well. Smar- smarmy Considering depth. he's so famous for being like heroic Ben Wyatt, who's such a sweetheart, even Party right. Down where like he says the F word, but like he is a good guy. Yeah. He's played a couple of real dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> and Step Brothers, like, being oh yeah. yeah i mean i guess that's the best example of right. him being a dickhead he also sleeping with other people he's a real dickhead in that okay. i think he's a dickhead in big little lies he's a no i don't think he is no he's just kind of like a like a, a husband like a who's doof there yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a doof he's like trying to put surround sound in the house that's okay. like his big mission well, he's like a record producer well he's a, a dickhead in midi and yeah. he's absolutely not in this but he's a sad sack and yeah. it's important also you learn at the dinner party that he is widowed he right. had a wife. And so, like, it's very clear that, like, he decided, well, I guess I'd be a good candidate for the severance thing because I need to be able to forget about m- how, how I'm grieving for eight hours a day. Yeah. In order to do my job, I need to not be sad for eight hours a day. And mm-hmm. so I'll do severance. And so it's actually a bit of an eternal sunshine kind of quality to this. Yeah, a little bit. And it gets, it's funny. Like, did you watch the second 
second episode. No. Something I wanted to, <clears throat> to touch on for weeks, and I keep forgetting to mention it, is the fact that Apple and Disney and these companies have kind of seen, except for Netflix, they've kind of seemed to figure out the, okay, we're going to release multiple episodes off the top, but not the full season at once. Yeah, the hybrid. Because we want we want to eliminate the, oh, you got to get past the first couple episodes yeah. thing, where if they just did a weekly thing, you can't do that. You, gotta, you need a couple episodes to hook you. And it would have been good for a show like WandaVision mm-hmm. if WandaVision did that. Yeah. Because you'd have three episodes or off the Book top. Or Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. And I think it's interesting that for this one, for Severance, it was just two episodes. Like okay. three was kind of the template, but this one's just two. Well, you know, uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel just switched from full season dump mode to week by week mode. Oh, interesting. Really odd to go backward. Yeah. And I think, well, Stranger Things is like the, the one that's doing the half seasons. Ozark did half seasons. So I think Netflix is kind of weaning us off. You're getting the full season yep. model. And I honestly think it's kind of smarter. And it Yeah, with your prestige dramas. It allows totally. us to it allows the conversation to last longer. You can give us a full season of Queer Eye in a weekend. But sure. like maybe, yeah, expand I well, I think Stranger Things is perfect. Put six weeks between the two totally. season halves. That's awesome. It kinda sucks like it's it's such a it's such a an endorphin dump. Yes. But then it sucks when it's done. You're like, I wish I'd pace myself, which right. some people do. I can't. We we're like done a season of something usually in like a day. Sometimes it goes really, especially if it's a half an hour show. Yeah. I mean, I rem- we talked about it recently, but I remember when that uh, season three of Stranger Things finished. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to have to wait probably a year and a half because right. it's always a little more than a year. Yeah. And it's been three years. And the conversation was done really quickly about it. Yep. Like it wasn't like, oh, cool. Like, you know, with the original Stranger Things, it was cool because people were finding it. And so the conversation was lasting a little bit longer. Yeah. But then once you're waiting for it, you finish it, you're done. And then you're just kind of like... Oh, I saw some tweets about that, but no one's really talking about it anymore. I think maybe this one will build a little bit of momentum. They seem I to be so. excited about it. Like they're really promoting it. Mm-hmm. And they have back-to-back big releases on Apple Plus right now because by next week's podcast, we can talk about Super Pumped, the story of Uber starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, interesting. And they're also doing that that We Crashed show. Which is that? So it's a show about WeWork, which we don't really know here. No. I, I learned it specifically through Leadable. It's basically like these places that offer like shared office experiences. So if you're working remotely, you can go into a WeWork. Oh, and so everyone like has a, a different, ever has a different employer, but you work in the same space. Totally. And That's it's kind cool. of a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I remember people being like, don't you have like a WeWork you can go to or something? Cause I was just kind of like, I kind of hate working from home. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, WeWorks, I don't think exist here. Um, well, and it's COVID. Like, and, it's, it's, and it's COVID. It's tough to introduce that as a concept into a new market. Totally. Um, I, yeah, I said it in kind of a dismissive way. They weren't like, can't you do that? <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so so they're they're making a show starring Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto about oh. the creation of WeWork. Oh my god! And Jared Leto plays like a I think he's like an Italian guy or something. And Again, the whole, <laughs> is he Italian or is he what else has he been Italian in? House of Gucci. Oh, Father, Son, and House of Gucci. <laughs> right. uh, I don't know. If he, maybe he's like Greek or something. But in any case, I think both. Uh, Leto and Hathaway are kind of like they're obviously 
both talented they yeah. have oscars but they're also both kind of jokes about themselves now it's a we and it yeah it just seems like such a weird origin story to go through as uber does yes like it's weird that we're covering this in a limited series right away well uh joseph gordon levitt was on colbert the other night to promote it get and he's like a very unique energy isn't he he's just has like so much enthusiasm but it's hard not to like him not that yeah. i've tried but like right. he's such a likable person yeah he's playing another kind of person in this show who has a unique kind of charisma and energy but in right. i think a, a negative way like this guy's a douchehead gotcha um and stephen colbert showed a clip that they cut from when the ceo of uber was a guest on colbert like five years ago oh wow and so he came on to talk about uber or whatever yeah i don't know to talk about something and uh probably had a reputation even then <clears throat> and they had to cut a clip out of the show of a guy in the audience standing up and screaming, whoa, Uber exploits uh, workers. No. Uber, like, I think he was a cab driver. He's yeah, yeah. probably a New York cab driver. And I don't exactly know what he said, but like he like ran a protest in the Ed Sullivan Theater Crazy. and they couldn't put it on the air. As Stephen said, it's my job to scream at the guests. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's funny, they did put it on the air now to like show right. Joseph Gordon-Levitt what had happened. And I mean, this CEO of Uber, like, like very comfortably sitting as the the b guest on on the late show and goes white as a ghost when this audience member starts screaming no at way. Him. yeah whoa so i'm going to be interested to how see how did if, joseph gordon levitt respond to that he was just amazed he was, he was really? it was an interesting uh artifact and he also confirmed that the guy in the audience was right what he said yeah i wonder if he yeah Gordon Levitt's a bit of a bit of a free spirit himself. Sure, like he, you know, his brother was like a Burning Man sensation who, like, he was a fire eater or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's kind of crazy to think that. Um, that I was just thinking while you were talking about that, if like Stephen Colbert might have just teed him up for like, because you know how he used to inter pre-interview the guests and then kind of like shock the guests with other oh, things. Okay, and it just yeah. had me thinking like. Does he maybe still kind of do that just on the late show to get interesting reactions? I don't know. He really views the the Colbert Report guy as a character. As he really thing, yeah. sees that as an acting exercise. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Sure. Anyway, so we'll we'll talk about that down the road, but I think the show is a little bit about like, wow, look at what a jerk this guy was. Right. Um do you give Severance your S? I do. Oh yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah it, it was cool. It's cool. It's kind of creepy. It's it is creepy. I, I'm watching it with it's a without Jen show. Sure. Because, like, even I think seeing, seeing the trailer, Jen was like, that seems, I don't know, it makes me uneasy. I'm like, yeah, I think it's supposed to. I kind of wish that Ben Stiller would make another movie. I know he seems to be very comfortable yeah. in this long-form medium. And, like, he did Escape at Danamora. He's totally. clear, clearly not interested in in just doing comedy anymore. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but I love him as a filmmaker. Yeah. And uh, I also love him <clears throat> in movies. Oh, you texted me this morning about Ben Stiller's uh, stern appearance. Yeah, what'd you think? Well, it was a big reveal that he turned down directing Goodwill Hunting, which I find fascinating. He'd be like 29 then. Yes. Um, was there another big reveal that you were, you no, were keen just, on? No, just the fact that he was like talking about how he was really good friends with Pete Holmes and yeah, like really right. respected Pete Holmes. I thought Pete that Davidson. Was, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Pete Davidson. And um, the other part was, it was really just talking, I think about like the cable guy, like Jim Carrey thing. Right. Um, how Jim Carrey, I guess, did a Super Bowl ad. I missed that, but it was like a cable guy yeah. thing. But he was just kind of talking about like how that was a bit of a bomb and he thought Jim was really funny or whatever. But right. it just seemed like it was the type of content that I wanted to consume. So were there any other big highlights there? I didn't listen to the whole thing. No, okay. I think those are the exciting bits. Gotcha. He's an extremely likable person. Yeah. 
Um, and I guess Adam Scott has called this role his dream role. Nice. And he said that it helped him uh, get over the death of his mother. I saw that. heal after the death of his mother. I saw that. Adam Scott is <clears throat> one of the silliest people ever, like yeah. in a very like monotone way. I don't know if you've ever heard like any of the Comedy Bang Bang episodes or like you talking you two to me or it's yeah. almost like ridiculous the the sort of like path they go down. Right. But his like kind of dry improv stuff is, it really tickles me. Well, the same way everybody on Parks and Rec is a character of the actor who plays them. Right. They were able to work little Adam Scott things into the Ben Wyatt character totally. eventually. That and REM it, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. The, he likes 90s alt pop yeah. and uh, like Husker Du. Right. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if like the Cones of Dunshire thing had anything to do with, with Adam Scott, but I think he's a bit of a dork and he's very funny and a good actor. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The show is an interesting uh situation and a real lucky break for its creator dan erickson who mm. was nobody if you go to his imdb this is his only thing there yeah he submitted a writing sample to ben stiller's uh company and it huh. just happened to be that ben stiller read it really and so he said this to howard he's like for the record like i don't read them all don't like, send me stuff. like don't inundate my company like maybe an intern reads them maybe it comes in front of me eventually yeah but like i happen to read this one as a writing sample, like, hey, hire me for something you're working on. This is what my writing looks like. Yeah. And instead, I was like, no, maybe we should just make this. It's good. Man, and uh, <clears throat> some some heavy hitters, obviously, like John Turturro, Patricia Arquette. The second episode has Christopher Walken in it. Yes, him? it does. Yeah. Like, wow. I know. Well, uh, Arquette was in Danamora. Yeah. And, and he, she's in the Stillerverse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at one point, Adam Scott says, good Lord, which is also a, a <laughs> that, Ben Wyatt thing. Yes, I recognize that as a <laughs> as a Ben Wyatt thing. Good Lord. Good Lord. And it's also a, a Colin Sweets thing. I do say it a bit. Yeah. I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, I give it my ass. Yay. Definitely give it our ass. Severance. Watched King Richard. Yeah. Okay. It was really good. He's really good? He's really good. And yeah. I kind of went into it being like, okay, like how, you know, we're watching Will Smith. How can it be? He really had to put on like a kind of like a southern um almost like a louisiana accent might be alabama um and he's like got a very specific way of talking and walking and he's already kind of playing like an old man it was super he was great how are his emotions in it because we could easily get caught up in like how fascinating and fabulous it is that he can do accents on a funny walk Mm -hmm. is he acting in it Oh, he's 100% active. Like, if I'm getting lost, not being like, wow, Will Smith is doing great in this, I'm just like, well, this is a crazy story. Good point, because that's a movie star. Then that's a tribute, yeah. Good. Yeah. And it was fun? It wasn't a bummer? No, not a bummer at all. It, like, it's one of those movies where it's like, yeah, more of kind of a, kind of a feel-good thing. You get kind of frustrated with, Mm -hmm. with certain characters at, at points, but it, like, it's because you're supposed to be. Yeah. They make you feel. And how were the the daughters? Because I one of them is nominated. They were fantastic. Yeah, they were both so good. Okay. It must be Venus because uh, the the girl who played Angelina Ellis, I believe. Because yeah, yeah, she's she's kind of like the first one that gets like their stories. I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about the the uh, Williams, Williams sisters yeah. going into it, and Jen kept being like, "What happens here? Does she win?" And I'm like, "I literally." <laughs> 
have no idea. You're going to have like, to watch and find out. I don't know. I don't watch tennis at all. I couldn't tell you anything about tennis. I played some Mario tennis the other day. How'd you do? Okay. You're probably, it seems like you're you're ready for Wimbledon. I think so. I could at least square off against a... Clay court or uh A hard grass. court, actually. Yeah. Hard court. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> it's more like pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't even know what pickleball is, but it makes a fun noise. It kind yeah. of sounds like a pickle. 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 <laughs> oh, is that is that maybe why they call it pickleball? I don't know. It works for me. Hmm. So you do trust Will Smith after all this. DJ Jazzy Jeff says that Bel Air is his favorite show of all time, which is such, <laughs> such a strong take out the gate. <laughs> Hilarious. I mean, it's it's good. I Have you watched any more of it? No, I haven't. No, and I won't. I don't care. I probably won't either. No. But I, th- I feel like it could still be a show where like a year down the road, we're like, uh, actually, it's like really heating up. Do we yeah. need to like actually seriously watch Bel Air? Sydney Sweeney will be in it. It's either going to be that or it's going to be, um, what was that? show with like archie and riverdale riverdale yeah. yeah oh it's so much better than riverdale yeah the only thing so is too. riverdale is is in on the joke riverdale knows that it's stupid right uh, and i mean beller's not stupid but no. sometimes it takes itself quite seriously but it has to figure it out yeah yeah, yeah. right okay well so you, you you trust king richard we I trust I, king richard i would say we trust bel-air a little less seven days out we're like eh. we're like yeah we're not gonna a week ago it. we were like that's pretty good we give it a rest <laughs> But hey, I'm I'm reserving uh, reserving judgment on it. Okay, that's that's where how you like to end a podcast. <laughs> reserve, <laughs> judgment, reserve, reserve judgment. <laughs> oh, we're gonna wait this one out. Especially a wait podcast, next a podcast so binary as ours, where we're like, yes, do or you no? like it? Do you not like black it? or white? <laughs> I'm not willing to make a statement. Do on you it. trust Will Smith? I reserve judgment. I do not recall. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. All right. Well, uh, never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith.